Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline. I'm Matthew Statler, and I am here with Neil Grogan. And we are excited to talk more about the solas of the Reformation, the five solas. And we've talked about several so far, but today's topic is about grace alone. Now, remember, the Reformation was a response to something. Um, it did not arrive in a vacuum like a um, like manna from heaven. There was a a response to a uh, a change in doctrine from what we believe the early church held to. And part of the problem was the Middle Ages. And it, you know, those of you who are history buffs know a lot about the Middle Ages. The Middle Ages were dark. Uh, that's why they're often called the Dark Ages. And we, we see a, a, a lack of growth in culture. We see a lack of uh, really just um, spiritual awareness. And the reason is because the Catholic Church at the time had held it close to its chest, right? Everything was in Latin. Um, they didn't want the common people to mess things up, so they would keep it to a restricted few, the priests. And those priests also became really corrupt. And so the world was, uh, especially at least in the European area, was dark, um, spiritually dark. People didn't understand how to be saved except through the Catholic Church. I mean, you're baptized into the church and you are, quote unquote, saved at that point, according to a lot of Catholic doctrine. And so uh, what happened is <clears throat> you would have the Catholic Church being, being the dispensers of light. They, they dispensed uh, faith through their, um, their priests. And one of the issues that we run into, uh, Neil, <clears throat> is how do you get the grace to be saved? So the Roman Catholic Church said that there is a bucket that they have access to, a chest. Treasury of merit. A treasury of merit, right? And this this treasury they could dip into based on the works of the saints, the works of, of others, and they could dip into it and they could pour it out to you or whoever uh, they wanted to. And part of the problem they were running into is finances, right? They needed money to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. <clears throat> and so they would go out to the common people and say, we need more money um, and you can buy indulgences. You can buy these things, these these papers from the Pope saying that you don't have to spend as much time in purgatory, which is a whole nother issue that, that the Catholic Church was... was and another for. podcast. <laughs> in another podcast, that's right. And so enter in Martin Luther, and Martin Luther is a, is a pastor, he's a teacher out in Germany, and he, is, he cares about his people, the people, the common people. And he's seeing the Roman Catholic Church selling these indulgences to people who really can't afford it. And the promises of the indulgences were things like, well, you could buy this for your parents because they're, they're suffering in purgatory right now. You can buy them out. And Johann Tetzel was a, uh, a Roman Catholic uh, priest that really was the, one of the first advertisers. He was yeah, really a- good. He's a money marketer or whatever. Pyramid scheme, baby. He's the yeah, OG he, of he it. was like the first the first <laughs> yeah, the OG of pyramid scheme, essential oils. Right. Yeah. Not to hurt anybody who loves essential oils. I'm just I'm, oh. don't 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 at me. Man, <laughs> that that roasted roasted so many people. That's okay. I I like uh 
MCT oil in my coffee. So <laughs> yeah, I got some right now, baby. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, so what we, what we see is that this original pyramid scheme brings in this idea to the, to the Roman, to the Pope. And the Pope is like, man, that sounds great. That's going to make us some money. And what he would do is he would go around town and with his, with his cart, stand up in his cart in each little village and just basically say, if you want to save your family from purgatory, and he would even go into detail. I mean, this guy was a, an artist, right? He, painted the scene. He said, your parents right now are crying out to you from purgatory where there's pain and fire and burning and they're yelling at you from there saying, just spend a little coin to get us out of purgatory. And then he had a poem. He brought a poem into it. And Mm. in this poem, he goes, um, when a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. And he would go around and he would just put on a, a show and a play and, and, and really fleece the people, the common mm. people who were living in this dark ages, uh, in this time where there wasn't hope and there was loss. Yeah, man. Uh, you gotta, you gotta really capture what's going on in the culture, right? Like I, and every his, historian will say, Matt, you know, that, they had nothing really to do with the church. It was all cultural. That's why it was the dark age. Um, but we'd say that the church fostered a spiritual dark age at the same time yeah. as of this physical dark age. Right. And man, right. I mean, they they're dealing with the bubonic plague at the time they're dealing with high infant um, de- deaths. Uh, there's, That's there's right. so, so much happening right now where people no are in a constant, Right. People are in a constant state of fear. And so uh, fear of death, fear, fear of losing their life unexpectedly. And so, man, like for the church to introduce this doctrine of grace plus. Right. Then there's we can we can maintain more control and we can get what we want. Right. And that's essentially what it is. And this isn't a new equation, right? This, this happened in the church of Galatia. Um, this has happened throughout history where we wanted to add to the gospel of grace from Jesus Christ for salvation or or in the Catholic church, uh, the way they would communicate it is, um, grace plus your works is salvation. So, you know, a couple misunderstandings about this, uh, Sola map, one is that um, many people say Protestants affirm grace, Catholics affirm works. And that's not true, right? Because um, Protestants affirm works and Catholics also affirm grace. Now, the order of effects is where the disagreement is, right? And so right. The, the key word for uh, sola gratia is sola, alone, grace alone. And so what the Catholic Church affirms is that grace and your works bring about salvation, whereas the Protestant Church, uh, by and large, uh, uh, short of a a couple, I believe, denominations, um, affirm that it is grace alone by which you are saved, and the result of that grace, of that new heart, is good works. Yeah, this is definitely about salvation, right? Yeah. How does salvation come about? Is it 
is it based on any merit of my own? Is it based on any uh, work? Is it based on even the works of the saints or of Mary or of, of any other uh, human mediator, right? The Pope yeah. or, or something like that. And so, yeah, let, let's jump in. So what is grace, Neil? Mm. Um, the kind of way to define it, I think a good way to define it is unmerited love and favor. So something I don't deserve, a present I don't deserve of love and favor from God. Yeah, it's a, it's a kindness, right? Yeah. Yeah, loving kindness. So, um, yeah, loving. I, I like how you added um, not just unmerited, because most people will just say grace is unmerited favor. But I like how right. you said unmerited love and favor. Right. Uh, and I, I think that's important. And we see that, right? I mean, Ephesians 2 is kind of the the hinge verse that we spread out from. It's like our, it's our key verse in this Ephesians two. Yeah, right. Um, did you want me to read it, Neil or? Yeah. I, you know what? How about I read it and then we'll kind of unpack it a little bit as we go. So Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying them out, uh, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. So let's stop there. Um, yeah. First and foremost, Paul paints a it paints a spiritual reality for all people. He's talking to the church in Ephesus and he's saying that you were dead in your trespasses. Now, what does death mean? What's the text say death means, Matt? Well, it's dead. D E D dead. <laughs> Not mostly dead, but all the way dead. Right. But, but dead, then he but dead in yeah. trespasses. Walking in the ways of the world, right? Yeah, so the first evidence of death is I walk in the ways of the world. What's another evidence of death? Well, inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right. So we I carry think, out what we want. <laughs> yeah, go for right. it. Right, and I think that's an important aspect because when we, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit— one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control, mm. right? And when we are are dead, when we are living in our trespasses, when we are unregenerated, we are living out our desires, right? Mm. It's it's a it's almost like a selfish inclination um, that is overruling everything else that we do. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, we're we're almost like animalistic in our behavior. Yeah, so dead in your trespasses means you have a dead heart, and this what he's saying is you follow you know or carry out the inclinations of your flesh and thoughts. That means you follow your dead heart wherever it goes, yeah. right? And that's evidence of death. Uh, another evidence of death he gives is that um, you live according to the ways of the world and according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. That is Satan and demonic influence. So, you know, and uh, I believe it's 
I believe it's maybe Luke 10. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Someone's going to comment and be like, you're wrong. But yeah. uh, somewhere in there, um, Jesus tells the Pharisees that they're carrying out the desires of their father. He calls their father Satan. He's the father of lies. <laughs> and you too right. are doing the yeah. same things, right? Like, of course you would do what your father wants you to do. And so what Paul's kind of coming back around in uh, here in the book of Ephesus or the letter to the church in Ephesus is that you are following those authorities. They they are ruling you. So not only are you influenced by them, you're submitting to them gladly. You're submitting to that influence in the world gladly. And you're submitting to the lust of your flesh and your mind gladly, willfully. Uh, <laughs> you think it's good. And he's saying that is dead. That constitutes a dead in your trespassed person. So what does it mean to be a walking dead person? Here it is. That's what it looks like. And then we get the best transitions. Sorry, go for it. Before you transition, there's a blindness to it. Yeah. When you're dead, you don't really know you're dead. (laughs) And that's, that's kind of an emphasis that we see, right? Is that God's light illuminates us to the fact that we have been dead. So, yeah. Yeah. So what's fascinating about that, Matt, is, uh, you know, people people all the time are like, well, why do the five solas matter? Like, why does sola gratia matter? And, man, when we understand our spiritual condition apart from God, a work of God, um, we better understand what we've received if we're in Christ today. And what was so frustrating to me is that we like to lessen the reality of our sinful uh, trespassing death. <laughs> we, we, it, it encompasses every aspect of you. And there is nothing in you, nothing, that can generate goodness. I don't care if you make a billion dollars and you give a billion of it to the poor. It's motivated by a dead heart, a spiritually yeah. blind being, right? You, we, we have to understand our condition apart from God. And this is what Paul's really, really trying to draw our attention to before he transitions in verse four. Matt, you want to read that? Yeah, absolutely. And and I just, I want to add to what you're saying. This is so important to Neil and I, because every single day we deal with the things of the faith. And what we, Mm -hmm. what I have noticed, I'm sure Neil notices is that there are people that come to us who have been sold a bill of goods, uh, mm. sold some fire insurance, been given an indulgence in the Protestant sense, say this prayer and you'll be saved, without ever spending any time recognizing that the problem was that they were dead and now they need to be made alive. Uh, they just think that they can add Jesus to whatever it is that they're experiencing. And so this is why, well, yeah, what they're already doing. And, and so they, they just want to continue the same path in their deadness they want to serve their flesh and serve the Lord, uh, and they're serving two masters. And we see, we just see a, a, a damaging across the spectrum. And so it's, it's, a, it's a reason why we're passionate about it, but it's so important to know this because this is what Scripture is teaching us, mm-hmm. right? So we, we recognize Scripture says that we were dead, and then the glorious truth enters in, right? And we have verse 4, but God. Mm-hmm. So not but man, not but 
emotions, not family members, not the Pope, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. He made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace! Exclamation point! Hallelujah! Amen! The first and the last. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like a, a doctor has come into you, and you're on your deathbed, and you don't know what's going on, and you're you're hooked up to life support. You're about to get sent to hospice, and the doctor comes in and says, hey, you are going to die. Mm. But guess what? We just found that you have a tumor and we can cut that out of you right now. We can radically amputate this thing that's going to kill you. Uh, and and the excitement that you feel from that news, right? It's such great news as you are dead, but there's a, a way forward and it's by someone else's ability, right? Yeah. But God. It- it reminds me of this movie. I, mean, I, I can't remember the title of it, but uh, it was a zombie movie. And the guy uh, who was a zombie didn't realize he was a zombie. <laughs> and the whole time he's like, and it didn't come until he came in to interacting with an alive person that he actually realized he was really dead <laughs> and that he needed something. He didn't know how to make himself undead, but um, there had to be a way, you know, and they went around looking for that way. But, um, but yeah, it's like, like you're saying, Matt, it's, it's like you realize, oh man, I am dead. Like I'm all the way dead. And this doctor brings you back from the dead uh, that he makes you alive. You cannot make yourself alive. And right. that, that this is man says John, right by the will. Of, yeah, exactly. Uh, this is the the fundamental key piece here. Who can make themselves alive if they're dead? No one. The only being in the universe that has power over life, over death, is God. Yeah. And this is what Paul wants them to really capture you can't make yourself alive but god who's rich in mercy who chooses to pour his love out he can make you alive in christ uh, even though you are dead today and we don't want to miss that neil because he said with christ right Made made us alive with christ even though we were dead he has already done it in christ uh physically bringing Jesus back from the dead, right? As a mm-hmm. first fruits. Um, and it's also yeah, then through if, Christ. You know, we can skip down happening. a little bit, Matt, in verse eight. Yeah. He yeah. says, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is God's gift, not from work so that no one can boast. For he are, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared ahead of time for us to do. So, this grace we've received, Matt, um, is is a work of God alone. And this is, as he comes into verses 8 through 10, this is what he really wants us to, to capture. That is a gift of God. That is his grace that saves us. And he even goes so far as to say, it's not your work so that you can't boast in yourself. Your salvation yeah. is not a result of what you can do. 
Um, how do we miss this? You know, how do we still miss this today? Matt, what have you seen? Neil, man, I'm telling you this, this is something I've been thinking long and hard about. I don't know the, a diagnosis to the the problem. I don't I don't know what it is, but I I think in our effort to make it understandable, to make it simple, so that we can present to people the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think we have have simplified it beyond what it needs to be simplified into. Um, in our in, I mean, because we have a desire to see people come to the to the living God, right? We want people to be made alive in Christ. Right. And I think in in an effort to do that, we have removed really the role of God in this and emphasized the role of man. Um, And, and we've jumped from regeneration to salvation to what is the, the fact that we need to repent and believe. And we just present that and we skip over the reality is, that this is a, a gift. It's a repentance is an evangelical gift, as our confession says, the 1689 says. And and so and my, it seems to me there's that. And I think on, on the other side of the same coin is this desire to boast in ourselves. Um, you know, pride and self-centeredness is so pervasive and it's blinding. Yeah. And and we want to be able to say, I did this, right? I came to Christ. I wrote right. the the date of my salvation on the front of my Bible, and that I'll look at that whenever I'm saved. Well, what am I believing in? Well, I'm believing in what I did, not in what God did. Uh, and so I, I think that's part of the problem today is this desire to, to do that. I also think we don't want to offend people when we go to them and say, no, you're dead. And no one wants to hear, hey, you are unable to come to the living God first. And uh, I I think people don't like to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, first to go with what you're saying, put some biblical language on it. First John 2, 16 um, talks about the things we struggle with as the less the eyes, the less the flesh and the pride of life. And I think that is the key here uh we we want to look at ourselves as we had some sort of involvement in our salvation even if it's to the extent of i made a good decision because i prayed right. the prayer yeah. <laughs> like yeah and if you're to whittle that down i mean logically that says i made a better decision than the guy next to me that's why i'm saved when you I look at re- uh, someone's given an illustration and recently, and I can't remember who it is, so I don't know who to give credit to. So just uh-huh. know someone smarter than me said this. And he said, um, when I chose my wife, I didn't realize she had chosen me first. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was something oh. like that. He's like, you know, what's true in life is also true in, in faith. And I just thought that was a good illustration, you know. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Brittany had some, uh, my wife, Brittany, had some journals from high school, and she used to doodle Brittany Grogan in, uh, right, right. in that journal. And we're like 14 years old, you know. I'm I'm completely oblivious. I just knew she was real pretty, and 
I like to be around her, <laughs> you know, uh, right, but she's right. already so she chose you my, before you chose her. Uh, that's exactly right. <laughs> Your name was written in her book before, before yeah. you, you said, my I name do. was writ- written in my wife's book of life. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, but yeah, you know, that, uh, is, that is so true. Because our experience, right? Because we we rely a lot on our experience. I think as as human beings, that's a, a natural thing. And so we know that we had made a choice, and our life changed after that, right? And mm-hmm. and I think from our human limited perspective, we don't realize what happened before setting the ground, right? right. It's kind of like the seed that goes into the soil doesn't realize that the, the ground has been broken up ahead of it and been watered and prepared. Um, yeah. and then it, then it bursts forth into life, but it doesn't realize all the work that went ahead. Um, not that yeah. seeds have a brain or anything, but <laughs> that same. Illustration. No, to- no, totally. We don't, we don't see what happened in order for us to, uh, cognitively make a decision. Um, right. But even so, right. So this is a work of God. This is, uh, the work of a heart change, and that can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, regenerating a heart to receive the grace that God is giving, um, to receive the gift of faith. That that's what Paul says here, so that we can put faith into Christ, because we can't even put faith into Christ without receiving the grace from God <laughs> first. I mean, that's that's yeah. the the logic that Paul's using here. Uh, he's putting all of that salvific work alone on uh, the triune God. And we see how Jesus accomplishes our salvation. We see how the Holy Spirit uh, uh, changes the dead heart to an alive heart. We see how the Father, before the foundation of the world in Ephesians 1, um, chose and prepared us before him. I mean, he even says in verse 10 that we're his workmanship created in Christ for good works that he prepared beforehand for us to do. So God's sovereign plan for you was to do these good things as a result of what he would do in you. So that's when we talked about earlier that Protestants affirm works. They just don't affirm works as the means of salvation. They, we affirm works as the result of salvation. Yeah. So what 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 is good what does good works look like, Matt? Like for in the life of a believer. <laughs> that's you know, that's a that is a tricky question because I think it's so so often even in our being enabled to do good works, we then try to take credit for and pride in and it so it's hard to, to to do that but good works really is to to love god right to be yes. enabled to to uh to do what we have been commanded by christ to do right christ says those who love me keep my commandments that's right, right. so he loved us first and then now we love him because he loved us and now we're able to obey right we're able to love others as more important than ourselves we're able to uh, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength because of what He has done, and those good works um, are really just manifestations of the love that we have to God and then to others. And even if we work backwards now from this point to the beginning of Ephesians yeah. two, Matt, where we where it talks about the living according to the ways of the world, the power of the air and the spirit, um, 
Satan, and then fleshly desires, right? The good work would be to wage war against those influences uh, uh, towards sin, uh, these tempt- tempting influences. That's a good work. Second uh, Corinthians you know, 5, 9 says... What? Go ahead. Well, Corinthians- I, say, I don't know if you noticed. Oh, man, we're... we're uh, our again. internet's no. all kind of choppy, so... Uh, what, what I think is interesting, Neil, is that you are moving along the same thought pattern that the 1689 does because right after saving faith comes good works. And so good works are those things which God has commanded in his holy word. Right. And then, um, so it's, it's just interesting to me how a good confession can help us think through these things, um, thoughtfully. Yeah. You were saying something about Corinthians. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please God. So the the resulting good work in us that God prepared before time for us to do was to please the Lord, was to glorify Him in all things. Heart, uh, action, thought, all of it. It's it's captivated by this love we received from God first so that we can love Him and love others well. And, th- and that's the beauty of sola gratia, uh, grace yeah. alone. It's, it's that we, we get a firm foundation to stand on for our salvation. And that foundation is built upon the work of Christ, the work of God, and not upon our own shoulders. Man, that's a crushing yoke, right? If, if, if I have to make myself alive when I'm dead, uh, man, I don't got a chance. Right. Right. Uh, but but God can. And he does that every day. I see it all the time. And it and it blows my mind because I witness dead people come to life, you know. And uh, Neil, I think it should stir up the, in us worship. Yeah. I think one of the fears that people have with understanding scripture in this way is, well, if it's not a work of my own, then how am I saved? Right, and I and I and I think of this kind of like uh, Jesus and Lazarus. Uh, mm. He goes up to the to the grave and he says, "Lazarus, come out!" Right? He calls them out, and many people um, respond need to respond to the call. The, the 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 call is repent and believe. And if you are able to repent and believe, then you have been called. Uh, I think right. it's a very very simple res- re- reminder that yeah this is a work of god uh, and he is calling us to stop hiding out in the in the casket and get out hmm. yeah so the the resulting good work in us is going to be repentance and faith that's um, right that's right which is already secured by a work of god so, man, praise the Lord for doing this. Uh, for for the, I hope that it stirs up in you, uh, friends, uh, worship for the God who poured His grace out on you, not because you deserved it, uh, be, right. but because He loved you and gave Himself up right. for you, man. So the life yeah, now that you live now by the flesh, live in the in the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself up for you. So. Man, that that's kind of how we want to land the plane here, man. We hope that this stuff uh, stirs your affections up for the Lord, because I know it does mine. Do us a favor, if you haven't already, would you uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use? 
and uh, leave us an honest review and or uh, comment on some of the stuff. We we love to to uh, work with uh, what people think and or or struggling with, and we'll answer whatever questions we can. Uh, guys, until next time, Neil and Matt, we out. Thank you.